Well, today is pretty special, not only because it's Mother's Day, but we're starting a new message series, and this is called Family Strong. We're doing this along with uh, several other churches in our community, uh, North Park Church and Woodward Park, Clovis First Baptist, Clovis Hills, Mountain View Church, um, and a few other local churches are joining in together on this uh, combined effort. I'm pretty excited about it, so as you drive a few places, you'll see the same banner out front. It's our effort to say we we are working together for the benefit of our community. I love it. Because the family is, and the family's always been, um, you know, really the building block of every society. Um, even though family has evolved a lot into something way more than, you know, mom, dad, and 2.4 kids, uh, it's much more diverse than that. And there's probably no such thing as a normal family uh, today, and that's I'm okay with that, but, um, you know, the family is still essential to a well-functioning society. We really need families. So, no family, let's be clear about this, no family's perfect. Uh, mine's not, yours isn't, even the best families have their issues, and a few families, um, you know, a few families, and, and maybe this in, you know, includes those you know or yourself, uh, some families are just downright destructive. Uh, some of People, maybe you're one of them, they've had to, you know, find a new family because your own family was marked by such uh, abuse in whether it's physical, emotional or spiritual or sexual abuse. It might be comforting to remember that Bible in families in the Bible, uh, well, are probably, you know, some of them are up there with the most messed up families of today uh, in our own experience. Um, there's some pretty troubled families in the Bible, um, but properly understood in the scripture, family has always served at least three purposes. I've got them there on the screen. Um, the purpose of, of protection of women. Now, be careful. I'm not trying to sound, you know, patriarchal or something here, but in the culture that was sort of male dominated, that really had very few protections for women, um, the family was intended to not only protect women, but to empower them. You need to know that throughout history, it's always been Christians that have been on the forefront of giving you know, rights and opportunities uh, to both genders. So protection of women, procreation of children so that the family would grow, and then preservation of values and culture and society. So that's kind of the Bible's understanding of, of family can you know, uh, protect and procreation and preservation. Really important. Now, the family is uh, the sort of incubator of values. It's the, it's the petri dish of, of values. It's the place where they, where they grow. Parents pass on what's important to them and pass on to their children what's important, whether they mean to or not, intentionally or unintentionally. And children are still responsible to choose their own path. But family life imprints children, for better or for worse. And the church, you know, the church promotes family Ministry because healthy families are good for individuals and it's good for society. It's good for the schools. It's good for business. It's good in the economy. At every level, it's good when families are healthy. And so the church takes that seriously. We don't take the place of parents in different kinds of things. Like when we talk about Awana and youth group and so on, we're not replacing parents, Sunday school teachers, youth leaders and so on. We're never meant to be the primary you know, spiritual influence in a child's life. That's the parent or parents' jobs. But we come alongside the parents. We come alongside of, uh, the family to support the discipleship of the young. 
and then where children do not have spiritual support at home. We aim to meet that need as well. So for these seven weeks, from Mother's Day to Father's Day, we're going to look to the Bible to see you know, how your family can grow healthy and strong. Whatever, whatever a family looks like to you, whether it's you know, the traditional nuclear family in your home, or a single parent and a child family, or a step family, or a shared custody family, or some other form of family, whatever that looks like. We want to be family strong. Now, if family is the building block of society, you are the building block of your family. Each of us, let's be honest, each of us have our problems and challenges. But you cannot fix anybody else. And if someone else in your life is waiting for you to fix them, it's never going to happen. You can't fix other people. You can't change another person. You can't control them in any way. But you can work at your own stuff. That's a truth. That's a reality. And so... We can we can do that in this series. So a healthy, happy family starts with you. It starts with me. So this morning, I'm going to pose three questions from three scriptures in the Bible to help us, you know, be all we can be for our families. And then at the end today, I'm also going to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ today or to recommit your life to him. So to begin, I want to turn to John chapter three. In the Bible, and I'd like you to stand for the reading of God's Word as you find that. John chapter 3, if you're in one of those red hardcover Bibles, it's page 883. John chapter 3, um, written by uh, the Apostle John, and he's going to share what happens. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, the fourth of four Gospels in the New Testament. John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. And after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can only produce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from. Or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Well, if you read on as Nicodemus is scratching his head, Jesus explains more about about the work of the Spirit, what Jesus himself came to do. And we pick it up at verse 16. He says, For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone in, who believed in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, not to condemn it, but to save the world through him. Let's be seated together. We're thankful to the Lord for his word. You know, in spite of the current noise in the media about gender identity and which bathroom to use and, and all those things, the moment, here's the truth, the moment 
your mother, and God bless our moms, the moment your mother gave birth to you, a number of realities identified you. Right? They said, it's a boy, it's a girl. Um, so your gender, your ethnicity, your last name, your unique looks, maybe you were bald coming out or you had a whole mop of hair, all those things kind of identified you and formed a sense of who you are. Well, we all know that to be truth. Your birth identifies you. And then along came Jesus, who says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nick was struggling with the very literal nature of that statement. He couldn't seem to grasp how that could be. But what Jesus was getting at at here is that in order to really experience the reality of Jesus in our lives, right, the reality of of a new identity, we need to have a new birth for a new spiritual identity. And my question this morning is really simple. It's this, have you been reborn? Have you been reborn? Born again, as Jesus, in Jesus' words. I, um, I don't like a lot of reality TV type shows, but I do like home improvement type shows. You know, like um, Fixer Upper. Do you know that one with uh, Joanna and Chip Gaines? You know that one? That's great. They, they like, you know, they take some old dump of a house and they go in and they rip out some walls and change the floors, paint cabinets, you know, um, just kind of go in there, make a big mess. And then, ta-da, it's like a brand new house. I'm like, ah. Oh. And through the magic of TV, you don't see the rest of the house that they didn't touch and it's still falling apart. But to you, it looks like a brand new house. It's like, ah, oh. only it's not a brand new house. It's still the old house, but it looks better. And it still has some fundamental problems. Well, my, the, the point of this illustration is that God didn't give Jesus to just fix you up, make you look a little better, help you just kind of get by. Jesus came to you, give you a completely new life, a new identity as you are born again. He came so you could be completely forgiven and forgive completely. He came to make you new. Through and through. Friend, I'm asking this question. Are you born again? Have you been reborn by the Spirit of God? And if you want your family to get right, to get well, it's up to you to get this right first. It, it starts it starts right here. Right, right, in, right in here. It starts where your own heart's at. What's what you set your heart on. And um, we're going to come back to this at the end of the message this morning so that you can be reborn. I want to take you to another question, another scripture passage. We, we looked at this passage last um, December. We spent some time in Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. And verse 6 is our theme verse. That's what those cards are you should have received um, just now. But I, I want you to go to Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. And we're going to actually read from 6 all all the way through verse 12. The Apostle Paul, again, is writing to his friends and he says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. 
Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ, this is so true, so powerful, you need to get this. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. That's Paul's statement about Jesus is fully God and fully man. Not created, always existing and eternal forever. Verse 10. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. And when you came to Christ, verse 11, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ Jesus from the dead. You know, being born again, being reborn is not the end of your Christian experience. It's the beginning. It's the starting point. It's not a one-time event. It's the beginning of a lifelong process. You're called to continue now to follow Christ Jesus as Lord. And so that's my question this morning. Are you continuing to follow Christ as Lord? We should talk about that word Lord a little bit. Uh, what does the word Lord mean? It means that Jesus, if he is your Lord, he's the leader. He's your boss. He's your king, your manager, your supervisor, your commander. Whatever word that works to help you understand the one in charge, that's the Lord. I, I sometimes ask it this way. Is there anything, any daily decisions in your life or mine that are directed by your identity as a Christ follower? Anything in your daily decisions that that are directed, you know, impacted because you're a Christ follower. You know, as Jesus is your Lord, is your speech shaped by Jesus' leadership over your life? Is your spending influenced by Jesus' leadership in your life? It, how, how about your, your conscience or your relationships or your habits at work and school? Are any of those things steered, motivated because Jesus is Lord? Now, family strong, to use that term, if that's going to be true in our lives, we need to continue in Christ. Paul even goes so far as to mention baptism here. Why? Well, because baptism is, you know, really one of that, one of those first steps of the Christ follower. It's that first step of following what Jesus says we should do. And, you know, if you said Jesus is Lord, baptism is essential. Paul, Paul likens it to being buried. The old person is buried in baptism and raised to new life. Some, some folks are like, don't cling to the, to the old corpse of your life without Christ. Don't, don't hold that. Don't drag that skeleton on your, on your, on yourself. Bury it in baptism. That's instruction from the, from the Bible. And I'm not, I'm not talking about infant baptism or child baptism, but baptism as an adolescent or or, you know, or an adult, someone who can say, I confess Jesus as my Lord. It's what we call baptism on confession of faith. If you're a believer but not baptized, you've heard me ask this question before, but I ask it again. Why not? Unless you're planning to walk away from Jesus, there's no reason not to be baptized. Now, I do love these metaphors in verse 7, two of them, trees and buildings. He, he talks about being rooted down and being built up. Two directions. Now, I don't know if you've Seeing how a tree can grow on a on a mountainside. Last week, Becky and I took a, a drive up to Kings Canyon to see the, the park we love so much, where 
the rough fire had gone through last year and you know it's pretty uh pretty devastating in places but even there you see these some places where the trees is like hanging on to the mountainside it's just unbelievable how what roots can do how how Roots can find their way and hold on strong. Or you've seen a, a palm tree in a storm. It's just like leaning over, but it doesn't snap or blow away. Why? Because it's got roots. It's held in tight. And he, he says, you, you know, you should be built up in your faith. Built up like, you know, like a beautiful tall building that, that goes up in the city. You think, wow, that's spectacular. Now, those are the kinds of pictures. And, and you know, that will happen as you continue to walk with Christ Jesus as your Lord, so that you're not falling apart every time some trouble comes along in your life. You've got some roots. You've got some strength because you're continuing to walk in Him. So the first question is, are you reborn? And my second question is, are you continuing to follow Christ Jesus as the Lord of your life? And my third question comes out of Second Corinthians chapter 2, if you want to find that as well. Second Corinthians chapter 2, just a couple of verses there. You're going back to the left in your Bible. Second Corinthians very appropriately comes right after First Corinthians, if that's any help. Starting at verse 15, just going to read verses 15 and 16 of Second Corinthians 2. Paul writes, Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we're a a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we're a life-giving perfume. And and who is adequate for such a task as this? Some some do. Some of you find spring kind of a tough time because of the pollen in the air and you've got allergies and all that. I love spring for the fragrances. I, I, you know, um, just this for us. This has been a really good season in our own yard. Uh, flowering roses and citrus blossoms and and jasmine blooms, bunch of plants too that I I don't even know what they are. There's one that smells like banana when it blossoms. Does anybody know what that one is? Like purple flowers? It's the greatest thing. I love it. It's just so fragrant and just refreshing. Um, which is much better than the fall when. Uh, the fragrance of the uh, fermenting pressed grape pulp from the Gallo winery over at Clovis and Olive, which is not too far from our home, wafts across the neighborhood. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Yeah, a handful of you. Oh, it's, isn't it lovely? It's just like, oh, okay, it's, it's that season of year. They both smell, but only one of those is pleasant. The other one you sort of put up with for a few weeks. By using this metaphor of fragrance, the Apostle Paul is, is, is forcing us to ask ourselves this question. Is there any evidence of your life in Christ? Is there evidence of your life in Christ? See, the, the faithful Christ follower carries a smell, a definite smell. And Paul's saying that to some it's the fragrance of perfume. And to others, it's the stench of decay. And you don't choose how it comes across. Now, if you're just being self-righteous or arrogant or judgmental, that just stinks to everybody. So stop that. But if you have the fragrance of Christ, people perceive you differently based on where they are at in their spiritual journey. If they're moving toward the cross 
Where's that nice smell? This morning there was bacon smell in my house because one of my kids made breakfast for mom. You know, it's just bacon, right? Or if they're walking away from Christ, they're like, ooh, what's that smell? You see, it's the same smell, but it depends on the response. It's a matter of evidence. I, I met with a friend recently who has a bit of a reputation for being a little arrogant and pushy. And, um, but he was telling me about his spiritual growth lately and how he's consistently been in the Bible and, and how he's been growing in prayer and he's been seeking God in his decisions. And I can honestly say he smelled really good. And I'm not talking cologne. I'm just talking about the fragrance of Christ in his life. It, it was a fresh Wonderful fragrance. We got an escapee from Children's Church. Isn't that great? That's yours. You do not put up your hand right now. Just just glare at the, the parent next to you. Like, oh. We love kids here. It's the sound of life. Never worry about that. That's just fine. But I did lose my spot. Yeah, but just talking about my friend, because, you know, spiritually speaking, that that fragrance of the the Christ like changes in his tone and his attitude, they were obvious. And it was his life in Christ was evident. It's a good thing to see. Now, um, like bad breath and body odor, you can't really judge your own spiritual smell. Um, But if it's there, it's obvious. Everyone else knows it. So I ask this, is your identity as a Christ follower evident? Is the fruit of the Spirit ripening in your life? Paul, Paul this gives us some fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those Are those fruit ripening in your life? Do you know that ripe fruit smells good and it gives life? I ate fresh cherries off my tree this morning. It was just like such a nice start to my morning. It's life-giving. It's the same way spiritually. When those fruit are evident in your life, it gives life to other people. It's their evidence of your life as a Christ follower. So if you've been born again and you're continuing your, your life, as you're continuing to follow Christ Jesus as Lord, and the evidence is showing, you know what, you can expect that your family is going to get stronger. And healthier. And it might be a bit of a battle at first because as you grow, it exposes some of the, some of the junk, some of the garbage, some of the problems maybe that you've avoided. And maybe you've got to make some tough choices and even some changes in your life. And not everyone in the family is ready to, to, to deal with all those issues. But remember, you can't control anyone else or what they're going to do. You can only control your response to others and you can control your own decisions. But you keep moving in that right direction. And the Lord will make that way clear for you. He will help you in that. I want to go back to my first opening question for a moment, which was, have you been reborn? See, whether you've been in church all your life or today's your first day, that is not the question. I'm not looking to see how many, you know, how much wear and tear on your church clothes or how worn out your Bible is or even if you own one. That is not what I'm pushing here, I'm going to ask you this question. Do you know that your life is in Christ? Can you say with assurance that you have been born again in Christ by the Spirit of God? Have you received the forgiveness that Jesus died on the cross for? Have you 
do you have a, a confidence that you're right with God, not by being a good person, not by trying to balance the scale more on the good side, but by your faith alone in Christ Jesus to forgive you and make you right before God? Can you say that, yes, that's true for me or not? Have you trusted your life to him or not yet? It isn't a, a difficult process or not, not. I shouldn't say it's not a complicated process. It might, might not be easy for you. Or it might be. But it's a combination of words and belief. Here's how the Bible puts it in Romans 10 verses 9 and 10. The Apostle Paul writes this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God and it's by confessing with your mouth that you're saved. There's two parts to this. There's the, I speak, Jesus is the Lord and leader of my life. I believe in my heart that, that Jesus died and God raised him up from the dead. Then the promise is, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from judgment. Saved from eternal death. Because remember what John 3.16 said, God loved the world so much he gave his one and only son that whoever believed in him would not perish, would have eternal life. Saved from the ravages of sin in my own life. Saved to know Jesus in this life. You will be saved if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Friends, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead in a short prayer. And if you want to be reborn today, you can pray with me. We do this in some form every every week. So... Um, I just, I just really want to make this a plain opportunity today. If you want to pray this prayer with me, or if you do pray this prayer with me, the only thing I would ask is that you come and either tell me or tell the person you came with today, and let's seal it by letting someone else know. This is a decision I've made today. I, I'm going to lead you in a prayer that's going to be, be something like this. Heavenly Father, I'm ready to be reborn. I, I believe Jesus died for my sin. I... I I, I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. I, I choose to follow Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And I, I put my faith in you. And I thank you for your love for me. And it might be your first time giving your life to Christ. Or maybe you've, maybe you've just been living with your back turned to him for a long time. You're saying, I just, I just want to come back. I just want to know the Lord. I want to live for him. I'm tired of trying to do it my own way. Either way, you can pray this prayer with me. So I'm going to invite you to stand. With me, And I'm going to pray this prayer just kind of phrase by phrase. And if this is true in your heart right now today, I'm going to invite you just to pray it along with me right where you're standing. And we'll have a chance to pray together afterwards. Let's bow our heads together. If you know that something is stirring in you, I just encourage you to pray. And if, you, if not, I just encourage you to pray for the people around you right now. You could pray something like this. It's repeating after me. Heavenly Father, I'm ready to be reborn. I believe that Jesus died for all my sin. I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. And I now choose to follow Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I put my faith in you today. And I thank you for your love. And your grace. And your forgiveness. Amen.
If you prayed that today, I just urge you, let somebody know. Come talk to me. We'll walk you through what that really means and, and help you move forward so you can continue to follow Christ as Lord. And for the rest of us, there may be some places today where we just like, I don't think I smell very good. I don't think my testimony is really the right kind of fragrance. Or maybe you're just like, I don't think I'm really continuing with the Lord. I'm just kind of stuck. The challenge, I think, for us then in those situations is is to take those steps this week of re-engaging with the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit prompt you and, and direct you and follow Him. Turn to the Word. Turn to prayer. Get with some other believers. My desire is that we're families that really make a difference, that have an impact on the world around us. Parents, so that your kids are equipped to follow Jesus in the craziness of their schools. And adults, so that you're equipped to follow Jesus in the pressure of your workplace. So that no matter what, we're following Jesus together. God, I thank you for this moments together this morning. I just give you praise. Lord, I thank you for new life. I thank you for the way you're at work. God, I thank you for our moms. Help us to honor them really well today. Just love them. I thank you that you love us. I thank you for new life. Lord, help us to smell really good this week spiritually. We love you and we thank you for your great love for us. In Jesus' name we're praying. Amen.